0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Universal Freemason Podcast. This is Episode 6, Season 3. Recording this on October 9th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well. My name is J.T. Asher. I'm your host, and I'm also the president and founder of the Universal Freemason Research Society, uh, which is a nonprofit organization that is uh, existing to help People to improve themselves uh by studying and uh espousing the uh works of, of many masonic authors and uh masonic philosophies i hope you're as i mentioned i hope you're all doing well uh it's been an interesting month here for for me on uh on several levels uh trying to uh do our best here to keep our health <laughs> where it needs to be. It seems like that that uh, has been a struggle over the past few years, but we're getting there. Um, uh, wife and I are doing well. Uh, I've had some interesting realizations lately, and I'd like to spend the first half of the uh of this podcast episode talking about that. And um after we talk about um these uh, realizations and uh kind of I guess a regrouping that I've had here. Um we'll we'll talk about uh, chapter 17 of Albert Pike's um uh, Magnum Opus and that's going as I mentioned that's going to be after the break and uh after our uh, moment of goat. So, it's interesting to me um, where life takes us sometimes. Uh, And you don't always realize that you had to be, what I would say, there to get here until... you have a chance to get here from there and have some, a little bit of retrospect and a little bit of introspection, and, uh, you know, coupled with the wisdom that comes with the challenges of getting uh, from there uh, to here. <laughs> so um, I think um, those of you who have been on, uh, you know, a long path sometimes um, know what I'm talking about. recently i uh have been i'm gonna say in a sort of malaise and you know, frankly it has been hard these past couple of years and i've I've talked about it um on podcast episodes here um It's been a difficult journey because I have been, I guess, embroiled in trying to make sure that justice prevails um, in my, I guess, uh, I have to be careful what I'm saying. I just, I've, I've spent the last couple of years having to make sure that that things are just and correct in uh the place where in which I work now this has taken a lot of time it's taken a lot of uh, uh cost me a lot of of sleep <laughs> um, we won't talk about the anxiety and stress and depression that that same uh act has brought upon you know both me and my wife it's it's been tough i'd like to believe and i'd like to say that uh, some progress has been made there and uh you know and I, for now i i believe that there has been some progress and i'm i'll leave that part at that when we decide to go on a masonic path when we decide that we're going to live a masonic life and if you're doing so seriously and you're you're making this a part of of your daily actions you cannot just look the other way when there is no justice. And it weighs heavy, it can weigh heavy on a person when you, you feel like that you're the only one standing there trying to uh, uphold the right thing, and you see that those that um, don't do the right thing, and they happen to be in positions of, you know, of power, it is utterly disgusting, and it can be utterly disappointing when you don't feel like that, you know, justice has been met. And, you know, this has been my my life, uh, as well as, you know, um, uh, helping my wife to keep healthy uh, through her health concerns that we've had, uh keeping myself healthy, trying to make sure that my cancer doesn't return um, you know i have uh i I have a son that's in the army, and uh, what a terrible time to be in the in the army as far as i'm concerned um fortunately he's not deployed overseas anymore, but he was. So you have those worries there. Uh, I have two daughters um, that in this, you know, in this environment, um, and of course all of my kids are adults, right? But in this environment, it's, you know, equally as hard on, on them to make it through day to day. It It's tough right now. I mean, that's just really the only way to say it. It's hard. And... You know and you worry about your family, so you have all of these worries and and you know you're you're trying to um also make sure that your space in your career is um uh, secure uh, and to make sure that your space is not only secure but that you feel included and that you feel safe um you know when when you're in your work, when you're in your workplace. And that means a workplace free from um, anti-Semitic remarks and also uh, hearing misogynistic remarks from the same person, uh, you know, just a year later. (laughs) So, you you know, you wanna make sure that everyone's safe you're living a Masonic life. You want to make sure that, you know, the, the the surroundings that you exist in are are just, if that makes sense. And I don't mean to ramble. But when you get embroiled in all of this, and, and here's my point. So when you get embroiled in all of this, you start to basically lose what makes you, you. Um you don't read as much as maybe you used to but you want to you don't take time to write as a writer um as much as you should but every pore of your being yearns to write something <laughs> and if you're a writer you know what I'm saying um so you end up being a shell of yourself and it and it's it's really tough place to be. And then when you decide that um, you want to regroup and it's, it's you know, 30, 40 days past the last time uh, you've made a, a podcast episode, for instance, this is for, you know, about me <laughs> And you realize it's been that long, and you realize that these podcast episodes and creating them is something that makes you very, very happy. And hopefully it makes a difference to the persons that are listening to you. And you hope that something you say in a in, in your quaint little podcast episode um, is also enjoyed by somebody else and also helps them to maybe think of something they're doing a little bit differently. Think of life a little of of, you know, think of life as a little bit different. How am I living my life? Oh maybe I should maybe I could try this. Well what did Pike have to say? You know, oh that's a good idea. Let me let me implement that and into my life. And so when you create these episodes and it you know it takes time and it um it is something that is satisfying for me. And I think other people who create podcasts would feel the same way. You look forward to doing it and you hope that you, you know, do it right. And hopefully – you have something to say and you're not just forcing yourself to make the episode and just take up your time and everyone else's. <laughs> so, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm guilty of that a couple of times. And, um, and, but I'm going forward. I'm hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we can get past that. So this episode and especially this portion that, uh, And I hope that you'll forgive my rambling, as I said. This is a really, I'm just trying to be really honest about where I've been and where I'm at. And there's a couple of things that has happened to me in the last month that has helped me to get back on track. And in this order, here is what happened. I spend, uh, you know, a fair amount of time on on Twitter. Um, and those of you who follow me on Twitter, at you, Freemason, will know that, you know, just a lot of the times I spend there isn't just to put out the latest, you know, Masonic meme or talk about Freemasonry. I look at my social media presence as a um as an outreach basically and it's more of um you know it's more of what am I feeling say, thinking about what am I doing that particular day if it's Sunday it's probably going to be a lot of Detroit Lions um commentary or you know, something I'll share regarding the Lions because I love the Detroit Lions. You know, other days I try not to get too political, but I might share some political memes that mean something to me. Or, you know, maybe I'm just um, in a jovial mood that day and um, I'm going to share with you, you know, some kind of a a wise-ass thing that I've you know, I might respond in a wise ass manner, <laughs> you know I mean it's just what you know it's 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 Twitter, you know, so what are you gonna do um but I follow some people on on Twitter, and one of the persons that I follow is um at lucid Nation, and the person that is Behind at Lucid Nation is um, uh, Tamra Lucid, and Tamra Lucid wrote a book called um, "Making the Extraordinary." Excuse me, "Making the Ordinary Extraordinary," and a subtitle: "It's My Seven Years with Manly P. Hall in Occult Los Angeles." And I I saw. I saw that she she had um, advertised that book, for lack of better words, I'm going to say advertised. She had advertised that book, you know, a few months prior, maybe a month or two prior. And I thought, man, that'll be, you know, that would be interesting. And I really hadn't just gotten around to, uh, because I'm so embroiled in this other stuff, right, I'm like, well, I'm not going to have time to read that. So I kind of put it on the back shelf, uh, the back burner, or top shelf if that's how we want to go where I couldn't reach it, (laughs) you know. But I kind of put it away, and it was always in my head. It's like, yeah, I got to check that out, you know. And some time went by, and I believe it was over, uh, I want to say Labor Day holiday, here in the United States, um, Tamara posted that she had one last copy, one last hard copy of the book and where to get it. And I'm like, you know what? I I got to get it. I love hard copy books um, more than I love just uh, Kindle electronic books. Yeah, I got to get it. So as soon as I saw it, went right to Amazon and, you know, snatched it up right away. I let Tamara know that that I bought it. I'm looking forward to reading it. And, um, you know, as everyone knows that listens to the podcast, I love Manly P. Hall. I love his writings. Uh, One of the very first people that I read other than Albert Pike, was Manly P. Hall when I was a new Mason and trying to figure out the esoteric side of Freemasonry. And I thought it would be very interesting to read a memoir of somebody who had been in that inner circle and and it'd be great. So anyway, I ordered the book. Let her know, hey, thanks for writing the book. I ordered it. Um, looking forward to getting it. Uh book got here oh it probably took a, a couple weeks. And it was quite interesting, about the same time the book arrived, I was most ready to absorb what I was reading. And I wanna I wanna go over some of the things that she wrote about that had happened to her and her husband, Ronnie. Uh, Pontiac in that book when they were involved in um, in at PRS, which was uh, Manly P. Hall's organization, still exists today, and um, they're still quite active. I know that they they print a lot of um, of Manly P. Hall's material still, uh, but anyway, some interesting things happen to them. And I want to I want to share that because, I, and I want to tell my own story alongside of it, because, and I'm going to make a point at the end of all of this. So, if you'll if you'll bear with me. So, in her book, Making the Ordinary Extraordinary, um, Tamara wrote that she was first exposed to Manly P. Hall. Um, by going with Ronnie to an esoteric bookstore in Los Angeles, and she found out that Manly P. Hall, uh, you know, said, "Wow, what a what a fantastic writer." Um, those things that she read meant meant a lot to her and to Ronnie, and she found out. You know, of course, he wrote the book several years ago, um, and thought that, just like I thought uh, when I found out about Manly P. Hall, that she must she believed that he must have died a long time ago. And she came to find out that no, um, at that time, Manly P. Hall was still alive and actually still very active um, doing lectures at um, at uh, PRS in Los Angeles, and it wasn't too far from where sh- she and Ronnie lived. And uh, so they go. Uh, well, let me back up. One of the reasons why the esoteric bookstore visit Meant something to me, and gained my attention quite, um, you know, quite quickly. Was that my wife and I um, would also visit these bookstores? Now, a little bit of background from from me, um, where I was born and the family I was born and raised into was um, a Southern Baptist family that ended up going to uh evangelical churches when I was right when I was a teenager, right when it could have, you know, screwed me up most is when exactly they started going. <laughs> so you know, if I see one more Jack T chick tracked, I'm gonna vomit in my mouth, you know. <laughs> it's one of those. Um but anyway, uh so we i i grew up in a southern baptist family we ended up going to uh evangelical churches when i'm a teenager all the while and this is in this is in detroit in the 1970s late 70s right at the peak of the jesus movement back then and into you know the mid 80s um i'm you know a 15 year old boy um I'm thrust into this, and we didn't go to church for a long time, so I'm thrust into this evangelical world now, I'm you know, trying to be a teenager. Everything I do is not good enough for you know, the people that go to this church um you know i'm I'm ostracized and it, Believe it or not, the tipping point there, and we went to this church for years. My dad started getting a bad taste in his mouth for it because, um, you know, of course they'd have their Sunday night service, and he called it the hooping and hollering service. You never knew when you were going to get the hell out of there. You never knew, you know, I mean, here's someone else is speaking in tongues now, and now you're stuck in this place for another two hours. My dad's, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night. My dad's got to work the next morning. He worked on, on the assembly line for uh, General Motors for 30 years, right? So we're not getting out of there anytime soon. And so this is the world, you know, that I'm brought up in, and this is this is what I think, um, you know, spirituality is. And the seeds are now planted that you know anything having to do with any esoterical, esoteric esoteric esoterica is somehow evil. Um even though I didn't know it at the time, you know, my grandfather who was who was a uh a bishop in the in a in his church in in Kentucky when he was younger. Um he was a mystic and and he was told the time uh, when he was going to die back when he was, you know, just a teenager. He asked he was out in the shed praying, he said and he asked you know, just tell me when. When am I going to die? It's going to be the fall, and you're going to be 92 years old. Was the answer, and sure enough, that was the truth. Uh, he died in um, in the September uh, that year when he he had just turned he turned 92. The January prior to that September, so um, so you know, and and my own mother um, also had visions, and and she was. I would say that she was an empath. She really felt strongly what people around her would feel. But anyway, we end up in this church, and we don't realize it, but you know, we're mystics here, and and myself, I'm also having visits with ghosts in, in my room at night, and some of them weren't good ghosts, and I'm actually telling people about things that are going to happen to them, and thinking it was just all oh, based on common sense, but no, it was you know it was psychic ability that I had, and I still have it today so anyway, so that's so we're going to this church, finally, we all left it um several years later, you know fast forward many years now I'm with my wife, and I'm still having. I have a spiritual void. I don't know, I haven't been to any church or thought about much spirituality at all. But I'm still kind of effed up from the whole ordeal about, well, if it's esoteric, it could be evil and be careful. And, you know, that kind of thing. And we end up going to these bookstores um, and I end up learning a, a lot about esoterica through that. And Tamara and um, her husband, Ronnie, were um you know also doing the same thing. So now I'm like, well, okay, this is interesting. I'm not, you know, we're not the only one that's gone through this, right? So um let me read on. <laughs> you know, so um so she found out that um Manly P Hall's still alive. They end up going to his lectures and In a happenstance sort of way, and a way that, you know, something that Ronnie didn't ask for, um, Manly P. Hall, uh, let me back up. Ronnie did, did put in an application to volunteer there, but... Manly P. Hall wanted to know if he could do bibliography on a book he was writing, but Ronnie didn't have the experience. But Manley P. Hall insisted that he does it. He saw something in him, um, and uh, before you know it, lo and behold, he's writing a bibliography on a certain book. They, Both him and Tamara started to become friends with Manley P. Hall and got into the inner circle and um something interesting happened there where um manley P hall was would ask Ronnie to do lectures, and you know Ronnie doesn't normally do lectures um never done one right so um he's asked asked him to do it does these lectures and Manly P. Hall decides that when when he can't, when Manley P. Hall himself can't do a lecture, then he would ask Ronnie to do these lectures. Now, the people that would lecture at at a PRS were people like um, Stephen Heller, and Tamara wrote in her book that Stephen Heller um, would would lecture there frequently, and this was another. Th- Thing that helped me to realize that what path that I had been on because um, I actually um, when I started to get involved more in my own spirituality, it happened in a sort of an interesting way. Um, it, I call it the National Geographic path to to your spiritual enlightenment. <laughs> so, and what had happened was, and this is how I even got into Freemasonry, um, got interested into Freemasonry. And I'll stop here and tell that story because it's important um, how this all lines up and how this book put me on my right on the on my right path again. So, um, so I read in a book that Stephen Heller would. Uh, lecture there, I'm like, oh wow, Stephen Heller, I know him. I wrote his book about Gnosticism, and I wrote I wrote his book. I read his book about Gnosticism after I read the um after National Geographic, um, had a special about um, the Gospel of Judas. Now, I'd never heard of Gnosticism. I was always kind of a fan of Judas not because you know you know of course what we think he did right what what the myth says that he did oh he, he betrayed him you know he betrayed the savior it was never about that It was, my first introduction to Judas was through Jesus Christ Superstar, namely the Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack that my brothers um, had, and I would sneak around and I'd listen to that thing over and over again. And it was the double album after the movie had just come out, so it had like the pictures from the movie, some still pictures from the movie, so I could read the lyrics, you know. And at this time, you know, I'm like nine or ten years old, you know, um... Not quite even that, but I'm reading along with it, and I'm just I'm into this. Oh wow, this is great! And is this what really happened? <laughs> you know, but, so I'm introduced to Judas that way, and I'm I'm a fan, and I'm like great. So now I didn't never knew there was a Gospel of Judas, and I never heard about Gnosticism, and I never knew about the Gnostic Gospels. Um, when I got familiar with that, I started to. Uh, that helped me to learn about um the Knights Templars, so my interest in Gnosticism helped me to uh, learn about the knights Templar um, and they're uh, they're having said to have been Gnostics themselves, which is part of what um part of their persecution from the Catholic Church, but also um we i had learned that um the templar were also um forerunners uh, to free, freemasonry and rosicrucianism now that helped me to to uh, get involved and learn well this is great so um you know uh, how do i become a freemason <laughs> right and i won't get into that part of the story yet um I want to talk about my Masonic journey in a, a few podcasts down the line, and and delve into that a lot more seriously than I have. Um, but anyway, so now, so now I know from from Tamara Lucid's book that the same path that I have been on, you know, is a, are the same people that know Manly P. Hall, and I'm like, wow, this is something else. I'm I this you know i must have really gotten lucky to have co- come about my spirituality in this way and my interest in freemasonry in this way because you know these are these are some heavy hitters you know <laughs> so, <laughs> they have a lot to say um anyway so i'm i'm i'm, I'm kind of peeking out i wrote some little notes here just to keep myself on track i know that i'm rambling um, oh, that's what i this is where I was going with that. when Ronnie was asked to do lectures, he didn't realize it and and I don't think that ego was any sort of an equation, but he was chosen over a lot of people who had been hanging around. PRS, um, for a long time. And these are people that were maybe older, maybe more experienced than he was in in esoterica, Um, maybe possibly had more knowledge. And when I read that, it opened an old wound for me. And I related with it because... When I was a new Freemason, and this was several years ago, I had, uh, I think, what's referred to in Tamara's book, you know, Initiate Fever. (laughs) I had that too. And I wanted to, I'm so excited. I'm newly initiated into Freemasonry. I'm so excited to be part of the Lodge. Um, what I didn't know was going to happen was at that same time, shortly after my initiation, my wife's health was going to take a turn, and so was mine. Um, I was diagnosed with bladder cancer shortly after that, so I had to go through a lot, a lot, a lot of surgeries to, just to keep myself, the cancer from spreading, and to keep myself alive. So I was able to go through the, the degrees while doing this, Um I was asked to be a junior warden um, and didn't realize that I should have said no, (laughs) because what happened was, is I too faced a lot of jealousy from people in that lodge. And not only just before I had become junior warden, you know, before I was voted in for that or however they did it in that particular lodge. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was doing a Masonic work um, because, as I said, I'm just diagnosed with cancer. I'm, uh, I don't know. Uh, at that point, I'm not sure how long I have, you know, for, I mean, frankly, I don't know if I'm going to live that much longer. Um, I don't know if we can get this thing under control. Uh, I'm scared to death, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I want to leave something behind um, if I if I do pass away, if if I don't survive this cancer, I want to leave something behind. I want to do a Masonic work, and I that will last long after I'm I'm gone. So I start writing a blog because nobody else seemed to, about uh, Albert Pike's morals and dogma. And my goal was that every Friday I would write, uh, we would study together, people who would read my blog with me, we would study together a few paragraphs of morals and dogma. I would copy and paste it onto the blog with my own viewpoint of what maybe Albert Pike was trying to say and it's at masonicme dot it's it's at masonic Me dot wordpress dot com if anyone's interested in looking at it it was a a three year work that i did which also was accompanied by um a monthly magazine article in the working tools masonic magazine and i I wrote for the working tools um excerpts from that blog of of course, I would add more information for the magazine. Um, I did that for two years. But my whole goal was, look, I, I don't know how, how bad this is going to get. I don't know, you know, what can I leave behind to maybe help somebody. And that was, you know, it was not really about ego. It was about what, you know, it was about looking at my mortality in the face. And I encountered more jealousy than it shocked me how much jealousy was there and, and i think the uh the the worshipful master at the time the person and and then and also people above them um you know had opinions that he would scoff at me and say you don't have enough knowledge to write about this you don't know what you're talking about that kind of thing and I tried to explain to him, I'm like, look, you know, I, I'm i not trying to uh, make people upset with me. I'm not saying that I have more knowledge than anybody else. I'm saying nobody else has done this. And um, I think it needs to be done. I think people need to be encouraged to, to read Albert Pike. And I don't see anyone else doing it <laughs> the way that I want to do it. So that's why... I you know that's why I did it. Ronnie also um, encountered the same thing at PRS, um, where he was really just trying to do what was best for, uh, you know, for Manly P Hall, to help Manly P Hall, and uh, ended up with the jealousy. When I when I read that in the book, that helped me to realize that I was not alone in in this. I thought. I, I, you know, I guess I have this kind of naive thought process where I think that, well, if you say that you're, you know, a Mason or you say you're on an esoteric path, then maybe you've put aside these jealous things and maybe maybe instead you'll support me and, and encourage me and not try to knock me down. But unfortunately, I've always found that the opposite to be true. Um... No matter what path people are on, you know, people tend to be people. And it's almost best never to let anybody know what you're doing. Just go do it because certainly they have their, uh, you know, the crosshairs are on you. And, they want, and they'll want you to fail. They'll, they'll want you to fail. And they'll want to make a mockery of you. And they'll want to make an example out of you. And I think that also somewhat happened to uh, Ronnie and, and Tamra. So I appreciated reading that part in that book because that now uh, after reading that I'm 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 realizing I have all of these scars. I'm realizing that I put um a lot of what I wanted to write and do I put on a back burner because I was afraid of how people were going to react to me and I neglected doing it. So, you know, shame on them and shame on me, right? Um and another part of the book and this by the way this is a great book I hope that you'll pick it up um I hope you'll get it on Kindle and read it um I love how the chapters are written also because the chapters are short and concise (laughs) and when you're a Gemini like me and and you know or any air sign for that matter yeah you know I have a tendency I can be reading something but all of a sudden you know I have my thoughts are like somewhere else (laughs) so so it helps me when the chapters are short and concise and are 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 not fiction um I'm not a, a big fiction reader never have been um And then another portion of the book came to me, um, and they called Manly P. Hall's wife uh, Mad Marie, and Mad Marie was was just about as uh, well. I'm going to say maybe even a better writer than uh, Manly P. Hall. Unfortunately, I I haven't read much of what she's written, Um, but. Tamara's book made me realize that uh, Mad Marie was just as good of an esoteric writer um as Manly P Hall maybe somewhat better and Marie would also sit with Tamara and, and help and give her advice and one of the parts of the book that struck that struck me was um Marie um asked Tamara into the kitchen and Tamara was sitting in, in a, a corner, and Marie began to give her some advice. And one of the portions of advice, and this is, you know, so now Ronnie is, he's kind of, you know, getting hot over there, and he's lecturing, and he's he's writing. And I think Marie saw the same thing happening with Tamara that, you know, possibly happened with, with Marie and Manly P. Hall was... Um, now you've got somebody that can lecture and write. Maybe all of their time is going to be spent doing that, and you, you know um, you may uh, find yourself neglected as a partner in this relationship. Uh, and that's my spin on it. And Mad Marie gave uh, Tamara the advice to never follow any man. And that struck me very close to my heart, because I have two daughters and I have a son, all adults now. While they were teenagers, I told each. I, I sat with them, the three of them together. Now remember, we all live in we all live in in Utah, and uh, Utah is you know full of, of men who think that they have more power than anybody else because of maybe what they believe in. And one of the outcomes of them feeling like they have this certain power is that um, a lot of times women aren't allowed to do the same things that men are allowed to do in their church. So it was important to me to let my daughters know and my son to know that women have just as much or more sense and intelligence and uh, capability than any man does. And that if they think any different that it's because they've been told a myth their whole life, that somehow because you're a female, um, you're not, you know, allowed to, or you should, should, or should not do a certain thing. And I told all three of them that that's bullshit and don't listen to that don't follow any man. You follow your own path. You follow your own path in life and you make your own way. Don't wait for a man and don't follow a man. And I told my son and I pointed at him and I said, and you, I said, if you believe any of that bullshit that because, you know, you have a pair, um, that you're somehow better than your two sisters. I said, I want you to get that shit out of your mind, you know, right, right now. And, um, and you know they were they all and i i have two very strong daughters and i have a son that respects women a lot <laughs> because that's how they were brought up and when i read that that's the advice that marie gave to tamara i was um it made me feel good that also you know i'm not the only one um giving out this advice and you know and i feel proud of myself you know i mean not to toot my horn or whatever but i feel proud of myself that you know as as a you know as a man um that i that i know better uh to feel that way and that all i you know if if there's a way that i can help empower any woman um uh, you know um, I'm willing and able to do it. I want to do whatever it takes that women have the empowerment that they need. Um, you know, in a patriarchal society and, uh, and this comes from things that I saw my dad do to my, to my mother. He was an abuse, he was abusive to my mother and to us and whenever, and I actually get triggered when I see a man pulling man bullshit on women, um, it gets me to the point that I start saying and doing things and I'm not realizing I'm saying and doing them. And it almost cost me my job one time, um, <laughs> because somebody wanted to correct a woman the way she was going to say, explain a thing. And I stood up and got in his face who happened to be the, you know, head of the, uh, uh, one of the, theaters, you know, here in town. Um, and, and I was in his place of, you know, of course, business and, uh, just about got sent out on my, on my ear. Right. <laughs> so, but I get triggered when I see that. Um, so when I read that, it made me feel good. It's like, I'm glad that advice is out there and I hope more women will listen to it. You know, you don't need a man to, to open doors for you. You open your own doors. And, um, uh, You have more power and more capability than a man does uh, anyway. And actually, you know, uh, uh, my opinion is is you probably even have a better spiritual understanding um, uh, than a man does too. Um, More premonition and and, uh, definitely you're probably tuned into um, that esoteric channel uh, naturally uh, anyway. Um yeah one more point and then uh and then I'll we'll get to our next segment. Uh, Marie talked to Tamara about what she called the space goddess. <clears throat> and there's actually a chapter in the book called Space Goddess. And when I read that, it took me back to when I realized about uh when I found out about Sophia in Gnosticism and when I read Marie's explanation or description of what she uh what she called the space goddess. It took me right to um, in Gnosticism we'd call her the Holy Sophia, which is the uh, f- female, um, which is the female emanation of God, and it's a little bit more deep than that. But uh, but when I read Sp- Space Goddess, it took me back to it took me back to that point in time when I learned about Sophia and all the prayers that I would make to Sophia. And as a matter of fact, I still have a Sophia statue, um, on my dresser that I, um, that I have adorned with, uh, with the square and, uh, go in the dark square and compass behind her, you know, (laughs) but, um, but it took me back to that part of my spiritual, my spiritual path and made me realize that, you know, studying the esoterica and studying the Gnosticism back in those days, um, it was probably, even though there was health issues alongside of it, it was probably the happiest time uh, in my life. I was learning new things. I was putting aside old spiritual habits that weren't really good for me that I was brought up with. And it made me realize that you know the esoteric part of me I have been neglecting for a long time, and this is the point that i I'm getting now to the point that I want to make about reading uh, tamara's book and how thankful I am that tamara wrote wrote um, uh, wrote making the ordinary extraordinary um is it helped me to refocus where my happiness was. And it let me know that the path that I had been on was certainly paved by some people who really had a lot of knowledge with um, Stephen Heller and uh, Manly P. Hall and uh, who we call Mad Marie, <laughs> right? Um, and not only them, but the people that, that, Studied with them, the people that knew them, like Tamra and Ronnie. Um, my path was certainly paved by these people, and my path ultimately has taken me back to um, old family roots, going back a long time, of um, of practicing Judaism, um, and uh, and studying the Kabbalah. This is where I'm most happy, and and. When I neglect it, which I have for the last couple of years, I've learned that I'm very unhappy and prone to anxiety. So I intend um, going forward to revisit revisit this uh, esoteric path, what got me to where I am now. Um the universal Freemason podcast is uh going forward we're going to delve on a lot more esoteric parts of um, freemasonry and I think that we neglect the esoteric side of freemasonry i think that I think that we're a lot of us weren't quite ready to be initiated into the craft, and uh, I think it's important that we that we studied uh, esoterica together um, that being said uh, look for th- th- those sorts of podcasts um, you know going forward all right, so once again, thank you Tamara thank you Ronnie for for the book. I appreciate that I was able to get it. <laughs> Um, I hope that um, uh, people listening to this podcast will certainly look into it and get it on Kindle. Um, You won't be uh, disappointed in it. You will be very happy that you read it. And with that, um, it's now time for a word from our sponsor, Anchor Podcast App, and also our Moment of Goat. This is the Universal Freemason Podcast. I will be right back. Okay, and I am back, and welcome back to the Universal Freemason Podcast. Uh, once again, I want to thank everybody for listening and for the uh, almost 15,000 plays uh, over the last two years, so uh, much appreciated, and uh, thank you for hanging in there with me uh, as we've uh, gotten through a whole a hell of a lot of uh, circumstances here these last two years. I'm glad that that you've all been out there uh, going through it with me, and hopefully we've helped each other through it. Uh, Today we're going to look at Albert Pike's uh, magnum opus, chapter 17, or the 17th degree, which is called The Night of the East and West. And Albert Pike uh, writes in uh, in the history... Of, of this degree is that it's one of the first philosophical degrees of the ancient and accepted right. And it will unveil to the candidate um, the heart and inner mysteries of masonry, which is to say the esoteric realm of masonry. <laughs> and it's uh, to me, it's interesting that we've gotten to this point here just about at the same time that all of these things have, have occurred to me these past this past month and uh and reading um uh Tamara lucid's book um, which has helped me get back on track to my own esoteric uh, path um, in the seventeenth degree uh, lecture Albert Pike uh goes through just about every religion that you can think of that has built the degree uh, really from the ground up. Um, We're talking about the uh, Christianity, um, uh, the Egyptian religions at the time and the Egyptian gods. uh, And... uh, how that all relates to the inner sanctum or the inner workings of, of Freemasonry. Also the Kabbalah is mentioned in, in uh the lecture here. Uh so it's very quite interesting this degree. And and I wanna read I wanna read the last paragraph here um, since this episode is over an hour long already, and I want to read this last paragraph, which will help us all make sense of really where we're all where we 're at in our own spiritual path, and where the knight of the east and west in this degree um, should be on his own on on their own path and i 'll read this paragraph and then we 'll close he goes to say that uh, Albert Pike writes this, of the practices of the former, talking about all the former religions, we gain but glimpses in the ancient writers. But we know that as their doctrines, have t- have, as their doctrines were taught by John the Baptist, they greatly resemble those, great, those of greater purity and more perfect Taught by Jesus, and that not only Palestine was full of John's disciples, but that priests and Pharisees did not dare to d- deny John's inspiration. But his doctrine had expanded into Asia Minor and had made converts in luxurious Ephesus, and had also and, and it also had in Alexandria and Egypt, and, they, and that they readily embraced the Christian faith of which they had not before even heard. These old controversies have died away. The old faiths have faded into oblivion, but masonry still survives, vigorous and strong, as when philosophy was taught in the schools of Alexandria and under the portico teaching the same old truths the Essenes taught by the shores of the Red Sea and as John the Baptist preached in the desert, truths imperishable as the deity and undeniable as light. These truths were gathered by the Essenes from the doctrines of the Orient and the Occident and and the Vedas, from Plato and Pythagoras, from India, Persia, Phoenicia, and Syria, from Greece and Egypt, and from the holy books of the Jews. Hence, we call the night of the East and West because their doctrines came from both. And these doctrines, and these doctrines, the wheat sifted from the chaff and truth separated from error. Masonry has garnered up in her heart of hearts and through the fires of persecution and the storms of calamity have brought them and delivered them unto us. Talking about all these philosophies, masonry uh, holds all of them. That God is one, immutable, unchangeable, infinitely just and good. That light will finally overcome darkness. Good will conquer evil. Truth be victor. Over error, these rejecting all wild and useless speculation of the Zendavesta the, the cabals, the Gnostics, and the schools and and the schools are the, are the religious and philosophy are the religion and philosophy of masonry. Those speculations and fancies it is useful to study, that knowing it is worthless and unfruitful investigations the mind may engage, you may the more value and appreciate the plain, simple, sublime, universally acknowledged truths which have in all ages been the light by which masons have been guided on their way. The wisdom and strength that like imperishable columns have sustained will continue to sustain its glorious and magnificent temple, and he's talking about esoteric thought and uh, and esoterica and Kabbal- uh, Kabbalism and Gnosticism all of those have foundations that hold Freemasonry upright so uh, don't turn away and don't think it evil. Uh, when these ancient thoughts present themselves to you. Um, They're as old as time itself and as true now as they were then. Seek it, embrace it, and, uh, and, you know, live by it. And one other point I want to make. We all are bearers of truth. We all are bearers of light, every one of us. Um, Don't, uh, as the the parable went, don't hold your light under a bushel as... uh, uh uh as it's been said before, don't let your music um, uh dr. Wayne Dyer would say, don't let your music die inside of you um, speak out and tell your truth um help somebody out uh for instance um if Tamara had not written uh, uh making the ordinary extraordinary um something that I needed to read at this very point in time in my life to help me get my head back in the game and to help myself get back on track, um, who else was going to write it? Who else was going to help me? So please, if you're a writer, write your book. Put your truth out there. If you're a blogger, do the same thing. If you're a podcaster, do the same thing. If you if you work on YouTube, please put out your truth out there. Um, help somebody out. It's not about getting money and fame. It's about let's help each other through. We all need each other to survive through this. Okay, and with that, this has been the Universal Freemason Podcast. Go in peace, so mote it be.